You're listening to The Health Classes You Missed. My name is Monica and I'm a secondary school health teacher with a passion for all things health. Whether you're currently at school or you finished 20 years ago, this podcast will help you understand those topics that may have been skimmed over, considered inappropriate or flat out ignored. So sit up straight, faces forward, let's get into it. Hello everyone and welcome back. Today we are talking all about safer sex, consent, and also how to properly use a condom or a dental dam. Now, as you can probably tell, this is a very sex ed based episode. As some people will know, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. It is also National Condom Awareness Day. So I thought doing a sex education episode was very fitting for this week. More importantly, in addition to all of that, it's also my birthday week. I'm not sure about turning 26. I'm not sure how happy I am about saying that. But I am one of those people that really does love their birthday. I do have a little bit of a surprise coming this week as well. So stay tuned for that. I will post about it on my Instagram and you'll see it on here anyway. But yeah, that is me. I hope you all have a wonderful week and you feel loved by your partners or your friends or whoever you decide to spend Valentine's Day with. Let's get into the episode. Today, first off, we're going to start with safer sex. So what is safer sex? You might have noticed that I'm saying safer sex and not just safe sex. Now, according to Planned Parenthood, I can't say Planned Parenthood properly because of Mean Girls. And I've said this in another episode where I've had to say it. I just have to say it how they say it there. So please ignore that throughout this episode. This isn't the first time that I'm going to have to say Planned Parenthood. But according to them, safer sex is all about protecting yourself and your sexual partners from STIs and also can help prevent pregnancy as well. It's all about helping everyone stay healthy and well and of course is about making sex or any kind of sexual experience a fun and pleasurable one. Now you might be thinking, isn't this just safe sex? Why are we saying the word safer? This is because, and this is what is taught in sex education today, some kinds of sex are safer than others. Again, you might be thinking, what, how is that the case? Let's break it down. There are many, many ways to be intimate with another person. When we're looking at things that are extremely low risk, we're looking at sexual activity like kissing, masturbation, dry humping, doing things only with a person's hands, as long as, of course, no genital fluids go near the mouth or the other person's genitals. We can then look at lower risk. These include things like using toys or dry humping without clothes on, oral sex. Now, in saying that, we know if we've listened to a lot of the No Stupid Questions episodes that you can get STIs from just kissing and oral sex. So using condoms or dental dams during this kind of sexual experience is also important to avoid STIs. You should also make sure that you are washing your hands and doing all of those other hygienic practices as well. And lastly, when we're looking at high risk, we're talking about vaginal or anal sex without a condom. So you can get any and all STIs like this. 
The main message I want to get across today is to use protection, use lubricant to make it even safer. Of course, this just avoids anything or a condom or a dental dam ripping or tearing, especially during anal sex. Now we have covered this in a few other episodes, but let's just quickly talk about how STIs are passed on. So mainly they are passed on during oral, anal, or vaginal sex. Of course, different STIs are transferred differently, but generally they are transferred through bodily fluids like semen or vaginal fluids or blood. For some STIs, skin-to-skin contact can also cause transmission. I will, however, link the Planned Parenthood article explaining which STIs are passed on via oral, via fluids, via vaginal or anal sex. So make sure you check that out if you want some more info or you could go and listen to one of the 1,000 STIs uh, episodes that I've covered already. But yes, I will make sure that that article is linked in the show notes. So great, we should now understand that there are different levels of safe sex or safer sex. We know that sex can be defined differently for everyone. So some experiences may be higher risk than others. We have a general idea of how STIs can be passed on. How do we actually make sex safer? As I mentioned before, condoms or dental dams can be used during any kind of sexual activity. It's also important not to share toys or use protection if you are doing this. You also might notice that I'm saying protection and not contraception. This is because the pill, the rod, the IUD, whatever else it is, does not protect you from STIs. Condoms and dental dams protect you from sexually transmitted infections. Another massive way, massive, massive way to make sex safer, which if you've listened to the other episodes, you will have heard me say it a bagillion times, but get tested regularly every six months or so. Go to your doctor and get tested for STIs regularly. This helps you to get treatment not only for your own health, but it stops you from passing it on to others for their health as well. And then in turn, of course, stops them passing it on to others and it's just better for everyone. Another way we can make sex safer is to avoid sex when you are drunk or on any kind of substances. Now, this is just because it often causes people to make mistakes with using protection properly. You are also more likely to practice unsafe sex under the influence of drugs or alcohol, so that can play a part in it as well. We will talk about how to properly use a condom and a dental dam at the end of this episode though. Another thing you can do is to use lubricant every time you have sex and you should make sure that mainly this is water-based. Don't use anything weird. I did a reel recently talking about an article that had all different household items that apparently you can use as lubricant and most of them it was totally false or they, they were known to break down condoms or blah blah blah. So just go to the supermarket and buy lubricant. Just use the product that is meant to help with this. Normal, everyday lubricant. On that, make sure that the lubricant, the condoms, the dental dams that you're using are all within their use-by date. They do expire. That is really, really important. You should also be very, very careful when opening the packet of a condom or a dental dam just to make sure that there are no tears or rips or anything else like that. 
And this one might be super obvious, but the number one safest way to avoid STIs or pregnancy for that matter is to practice abstinence. And abstinence means not having sex at all. Now, this isn't realistic, I'm assuming for the majority of people. Again, here at the Health Classes You Miss, we like to have a no shame approach around sex. Sex is normal, sex is natural, it's okay. But of course, it is important to remember to be safe. If abstinence is something that you wanna practice, that is absolutely okay as well, of course. All of this is about making your own choices for yourself, not being pressured, any of those things. And that ties perfectly into our next topic, which is consent. Recently, I put a question box up on my Instagram and asked you guys what is something that you think should be included in sex education today. And I reckon I got about 20 answers, including consent. There was a few other things as well, but this definitely seemed to be one of those things that a lot of people really, really wanted to learn about. And it is a part of the curriculum now, you will be happy to know, but let's talk about it and break it down now. Consent is very, very important when partaking in any kind of sexual activity. According to 1-800-RESPECT, giving consent means you knowingly and freely agree to partake in sex or sexual activity. Once again, sex is defined differently for everyone. So you need to make sure that that is communicated before partaking in sexual activity with someone else. Basically, your consent has to be enthusiastic, totally voluntary, and you need to know exactly what you are consenting to. It should be continuous. It should be something that is done consistently throughout whatever act you are partaking in as almost like a check-in. Consent is also all about being informed. And you may have heard of this before, the words informed consent. This basically means that you 100% understand and agree to what is going to happen at the time. It's also important to understand that you can retract your consent or change your mind at any time. Just because you give consent once does not mean it's just automatic throughout the entire time, which is why I highlighted the importance of checking in. So you can't just take a person's consent for one act and then do something else. They obviously must continue to consent to what is going on. For example, if you want to try something new during sexual activity, you must ask the person that you are having sex with if they consent to that. That is because, as we talked about, your experience of sex may be different to another person. You may define sex differently to another person. The things that are normal to you might not be normal to the person you're partaking in sexual activity with. All about communication. Make sure the consent is continuous, it is informed, it is enthusiastic. I do quickly want to touch on something called stealthing here as well. This is... Uh, maybe something people have heard of recently. There are a few laws changed in Victoria. Basically, stealthing is when a person takes off a condom during sex. They may have tampered with a condom or they have decided not to use one and didn't get consent or didn't tell the other person. Another law here in Victoria covers kind of taking intimate images or videos of someone also without their consent, and that also includes distributing or threatening to distribute that content as well. You cannot do any of these things without asking a person first. The person who is involved 
You cannot just decide that this is something you're going to do without asking first. And once again, if a person says yes, and then they decide, actually, no, this is not what I want, they have not given consent. If a person's body language changes, if someone's yes or someone's enthusiasm towards the situation lessens and lessens and you can't really read the situation or you don't really know what's going on, that's not consent. They are not enthusiastically consenting to what is happening. That is really, really important to understand. Moving on now, let's quickly talk about consent versus coercion. Now, these two things are slightly different. What is coercion? Coercion happens when someone pressures or manipulates you into having sex or any kind of sexual contact when you do not want to do it. According to Healthline, it is any attempt to control your behavior with threats or manipulation. I can't stress this enough. If you turn down or say no to sex, that should be the end of it. That should be it. You should be able to continue on normal life, go on with your day. Of course, this doesn't always happen. Now, this is coercion is quite common in relationships, but can also happen between other people as well. So friends or work colleagues at a party, whatever else. Because it's common in relationships, I do also want to point out that being in a relationship does not mean ongoing consent. It doesn't mean that a person has consented forever just because you are dating them. Let's talk about what coercion might look like. And this is all according to Healthline. Once again, this is a really, really great article. And of course, it's got a lot more information. I will link it in the show notes as well if you guys want to have a bit more of a read about this. But what does it look like? We've got a lot here. So buckle in, get ready. I'll try and explain it as best as I can. The first one here is outright threats. Now, this might look like they state what they'll do if you don't agree to sex. For example, they might say something like, people in relationships have sex. If we aren't gonna do it, we might as well break up. We're not gonna do it again if you say no now. The second thing here could be social pressure. So this could be suggesting that no means there's something wrong with you. I feel like time limit is often a thing here where people might expect after a certain amount of time, they are almost owed sexual favors or their own sex. They might say something like, we've been out three times now, surely it's time. Or, you know, maybe they'll even talk about virginity and the construct of virginity and say something like, you shouldn't be a virgin at whatever age. A reminder though, it is always your choice to partake in sexual activity. No one else gets to decide that but you. Don't ever let societal pressure or anyone else tell you what you're doing is wrong if you're deciding to wait for something or you're deciding that that is not the right time for you. The third one we've got here is emotional manipulation. And this could be when someone, you know, they might say something like, it's fine after you have rejected their sexual advances, but maybe then they stop paying attention to you. They slam a door, they sigh, they cry, they're mean to you. They might say things like, it'll make us both feel better if we have sex. That is emotional manipulation. Just because you say no to something doesn't mean that that person should treat you any differently or should act any differently to before they asked you. The fourth one here is all about badgering. So this pretty self-explanatory, just constantly asking for sex. This can also be a little bit subtle as well. So they might 
say something like, I will do the washing if we can have sex later. It's almost like an exchange of something. They're still asking in a way, but not really. Basically, if you have to pressure someone or consistently ask, they're not giving you an enthusiastic response. You're not getting consent. Number five here, which I would assume would be quite a common one, and this one involves guilt tripping. For example, someone might say something like, you must not love me as much as you say that you do. Do you even find me attractive? Prove that you want me? Things like that. This means a person is trying to make you feel bad for saying no. That is also a form of coercion. The sixth one here is about denying affection. So this is kind of similar to emotional manipulation, but it might look like someone kind of shutting you down or taking away attention. They might start mocking you. They might make rude comments. They might refuse to kiss you because it's not going to lead anywhere. So kind of what's the point? Also a form of coercion. Another one here is making you feel bad about yourself. Maybe they'll say something like, no one else will sleep with you, so you should just do this. Number eight here is about insisting. So this is when it's all about them and how they are feeling. They are not taking into account that you just don't want to. They might say something like, oh, but you said we would, so you can't change your mind now. As we talked about with consent, of course you can change your mind just because you've said something another time does not mean that you have to consent again however long down the road. It literally could have been three minutes before. You can still say no and take that consent away. That is okay. The second last one here is all about over-the-top affection. So this is kind of making you feel like you have to say yes or making you feel like you need to do something. Maybe they have bought you a gift or they give you money or they give you a massage. None of this matters. If you don't want to partake in sexual activity of any kind, you don't have to. And the very last one, there is more, look at that article, but this one involves not giving you the space or the chance to say no. So this is all about ignoring your very clear body language and continuing to do or partake in the sexual activity anyway. So consent. Consent should be enthusiastic, involved, you should be mentally aware, should be excited, it might look like saying yes, and you also know everything that is going on. Whereas coercion is saying yes or going ahead with something because you feel like you have to, even if you don't want to. There's the kind of difference between the two. Basically, if you have to really convince someone to partake in sexual activity with you, they are not consenting. All right, what we're going to cover now is how to use a condom. Now, this might seem weird to cover or very obvious to some people, During the sex ed unit at school that I researched for, I was working with the sexual health nurse and I actually didn't realize that there was a step-by-step process that you should be going through when doing this and that that is what we should be teaching. So this is interesting. If you don't know what a condom is, condoms are a form of protection that are worn by males during sex. Now they can be free from your local sexual health clinic or they are very easily available at supermarkets. They're very accessible. Now we're back with Planned Parenthood. They outline 10 steps for proper condom use. Number one, talk to your partner about the decision to have sex and what options you would be open to using. 
this is about making sure that you're on the same page when it comes to contraception and protection. Number two is to check the expiration date on the package and of course look for any signs of damage. So this might look like a tear, a cut, a hole, whatever else. They also outline that it's important to store condoms in a cool, dry place. This avoids them uh, getting damaged as well. Number three, when you are ready and you've talked to your partner and you've sorted it all out, the condom is within the expiration date. You will carefully tear open the condom package and you will take it out. Number four is about making sure that the penis is erect before you put the condom on. Once that occurs, you place the condom on the head of the penis the right way up. This means that the tip is facing up and you are actually able to roll the condom down. Now, this is important because if you put it on the wrong way, this can lead to bacteria or semen ending up on the outside of the condom, which could mean that a person passes something on or pregnancy could occur. During this step as well, you want to make sure that you squeeze the tip of the condom so that there is no air in the tip. Number five is about rolling down the condom to cover the entire penis. This is for ultimate protection, of course. Six, you can then partake in whatever sexual activity you are partaking in. Again, use lubricant to avoid any friction or any tearing. Number seven, make sure you keep the condom on until you have finished. When I say finished, that doesn't mean that there is ejaculation. It's just whenever you have finished whatever you are doing. Number eight, you hold on to the rim of the condom at the base of the penis and you slowly remove it. You then, this should be common sense, put it in a bin. And of course, if you want to have sex again or partake in sexual activity again, make sure you use a new condom. You never reuse condoms. And that was step nine and 10. So there you have it, 10 steps. Again, I will make sure this is all linked in the show notes. There is uh, kind of like diagrams showing all of this as well. And this also includes the next thing we're going to cover, which is how to use a dental dam. Now, some people might have never even heard of what a dental dam is. It's not really surprising. Neither female pleasure nor LGBTQIA plus experiences were generally covered in sex education. I'm sure there are many places where that might still be a problem. Hopefully that is getting better. So let's talk about what a dental dam is. It is a thin, flexible piece of latex that actually protects against direct mouth to genital or anus contact during oral sex. Dental dams do quite well at protecting against most STIs, but they are not foolproof. So for example, if a person has a herpes sore outside the space of the dental dam in use, it means that through skin-to-skin contact, that could still be transmitted. They are also not as accessible to purchase as condoms, but they can generally be purchased pretty easily online. So how is this used? Now, this is all according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So step number one, you carefully open the dental dam and you remove from the package. Of course, you make sure there are no tears, no rips, anything like that. The same thing as we talked about with a condom. Second step, you place the dental dam flat to cover the vaginal opening, the clitoris or the anus. Number three, you then partake in whatever sexual activity you are partaking in. And then number four, very easy, you throw away the used dental dam in the bin when you are done. 
Only four steps to that one, so a little bit easier to follow. Interestingly, the CDC also notes in the article that I found this information on that there are ways to create a dental dam out of a normal condom. Once again, I will link this in the show notes too. I definitely cannot explain this whole process without showing how that might work. So make sure you go and check that out if that is something that you want to have a look at as well. So there we have it. We talked about safer sex. We talked about consent versus coercion. And now we should all know how to use a condom and a dental dam properly. Remember that sex, whatever that means to you, should be a fun, pleasurable, and enthusiastic experience. Communication is key. So is being safe. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope that you learned something today. I hope that you enjoy your Valentine's Day, whatever you are doing, whoever you are spending it with. Most importantly, once again, stay safe. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to support the show, it would mean so, so much to me. If you could please either come and follow me on Instagram and or chuck me a follow wherever you are listening to this podcast. I hope you all have a wonderful week. I'll be back at the end of the week for a bit of a different how's your head. Can't wait. See you later.